0: Bye. to the Gen Xer Podcast, a weekly podcast that discusses what's going on in the world through the eyes of the long-forgotten group, Generation X. We want to thank you for joining us in the second episode of this lovely podcast. The Gen Xer Podcast is part of the Lazy Geeks Network. We can, uh, you can actually find all of our other shows available on the Lazy Geeks Network at thelazygeeks.com. So, a few days before the 4th of July... The Los Angeles Police Department uh, raided a home that was storing and selling illegal fireworks. After towing a good portion of the illegal fireworks out of the neighborhood, there were a couple of thousand pounds of quote-unquote improvised explosives remaining and couldn't be transported. The order was given that LAPD SWAT Disposal Unit would be brought in to detonate the explosives. I'm sure you've seen the video. That truck was torn apart like it was tinfoil. Pieces of the truck were found blocks away in people's yards. Windows of a laundromat was blown out, which was over two blocks away. After Chief Michael Morris canned response of, that wasn't supposed to happen, reports are surfacing that the LAPD has done nothing for the people that were affected by the blast. When I said affected, I'm talking about the people that had walls, doors, portions of their homes blown apart, cars destroyed, And some homes red-tagged. The most irritating part of this is that people from the neighborhood have not seen any assistance from the police. The people that have been left to fend for themselves. Even the police chief is kind of like, well, you know, shit happens. While they're focused on the truck failure, they aren't doing anything for the citizens they put in harm's way. Some of the people have lawyered up and are threatening a lawsuit against the city and police, but all they want is help. The lawyers said that if they don't get any attention or help, they will file the lawsuit. Now, while the police won't face any responsibility for this type of blunder, you know the guy whose house they raided will be charged. And then, you know, police say they can't do their job if they're held accountable. Well, everyone else does it all the time. They can still do their job. Or maybe they just don't like being held responsible like everyone else. Causes for the illness as a result of the raging pandemic began to appear in San Francisco during the fall. The first documented case was in late September. By early October, the city of San Francisco had more than 2,000 cases, which is roughly 400 per every 100,000. And the city's Board of Health enacted various measures to try and curb this disease, like banning gatherings, closing schools and theaters, warning citizens to avoid crowds, professions that served customers like, you know, barbers, hospitality employees, bank employees, pharmacy workers, and store employees were all required to wear masks. That October, the city passed an ordinance requiring everyone in San Francisco to wear a mask in public or as part of a company of two or more people, except when eating. Initial compliance with the mask ordinance was high, estimated around 80%. People were wearing masks in public. They were doing their civic duty. The Red Cross sold masks at ferry terminals for incoming passengers, anyone who failed to wear a mask or wore it improperly, you know, like under the nose, were charged with quote-unquote disturbing the peace, warned, and for subsequent violations fined or even jailed. The city health officer and the mayor both paid fines for not wearing masks at a boxing match. With a majority of the city doing their part, they were able to beat back the spread of the pandemic. Cases began dropping, hospitalizations were decreasing, and the most important, death rates were decreasing more than anywhere in the country. So by November 21st, the mask ordinance was nulled and life returned to normal. However, when cases of the flu began to increase again, a new ordinance mandating masks took effect the following January. Although there were some complaints from citizens during the initial period of mask wearing, the new ordinance galvanized more serious opposition, and an anti-mask league was formed. Calling themselves the Anti-Mask League of San Francisco, they formed to protest an ordinance which required people to wear masks. However, the initial mask mandates were so short-lived, it's hard to determine just how many people were actually part of it. Although an estimated four to 5,000 citizens showed up to a meeting to protest the second ordinance in January. Now members of the league included physicians, citizens, civil libertarians, and at least one member of the Board of Supervisors. Some members of the league wanted to collect signatures on a petition to end the mask requirement while others wanted to initiate recall procedures for the city health officer. Now members of the Anti-Mask League also protested for the mayor of San Francisco's resignation if he did not repeal the ordinance. The president of the league, suffragist, attorney, and civil rights activist, Miss E.C. Harrington, was a fierce critic of the mayor, and it has been suggested that the Anti-Mask League protests were politically motivated. The debate was heated. Some objections to the ordinance were based on questions of scientific data, while others considered the requirement to infringe on civil liberties. In addition to complaints from Anti-Mask League, some health officials from other cities also contended that the masks were not necessary. The San Francisco health officer criticized the Secretary of State's Board of Health for questioning the e- uh, efficacy of masks, saying, the attitude of the state board is encouraging the Anti-Mask League. On January 27th, the league presented a petition, signed by Ms. E.C. Harrington as president, to the city's Board of Supervisors, requesting repeal of the mask ordinance. Newspapers across the world took note of the protesting organization. San Francisco lifted the mask mandate effective February 1st, 1919, on the recommendation of the Board of Health. After the anti-mask league got their way, San Francisco was devastated through the second wave. The 4,000 people that turned out to protest were less than 1% of the city's population, which at the time was around 500,000. The Anti-Mask League wasn't exactly a large grassroots movement, but its members included doctors and at least one elected city official. At the time, even California's State Board of Health was arguing that flimsy gauze masks were probably ineffective anyway. Now a century later, we are again in a -a once-in-a-century pandemic and humanity hasn't learned shit. What makes life even harder is that the anti-vaccine that we're experiencing in the world, it's not new. Now, for some perspective, the anti-vaccine movement has been around since at least the 18th century, or it could at least be traced back to the 18th century. Before Edward Jenner began his landmark effort to develop a smallpox vaccine in the 1790s, the practice of variolation, which is described as inoculating an unaffected person with pus from someone with smallpox, Oh, uh, oh, oh, God! Oh, just the thought of that. Oh, 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 but apparently that was um that was used for centuries uh, to prevent the disease in Africa, China, India, and the Ottoman Empire. And in fact, Onesimus, an African slave, was said to have taught Cotton Mather, a Puritan pamph- pamphleteer, about the technique in 1706. Lady Mary wortley montague introduced variolation to england referred to as inoculation in the west having witnessed the practice in turkey in 1717 as she encouraged the government to inoculate children against the deadly disease an increasingly vicious debate ensued between the opponents and proponents of the practice it was reported that quote Pro-inoculators intended to write in a cool and factual tones encouraged by the royal society, with frequent appeals to reason, the modern progress of science, and the courtesy subsisting among gentlemen. Anti-inoculators proposedly wrote like demagogues, having heated tones and lurid scare stories to promote paranoia. In the 19th century, when Edward Jenner's smallpox vaccine came out, Opponent, proponent, opponents, I always get those words mixed up, opponents to the vaccine claim that, one, the vaccine didn't work, two, the vaccine would make you sick and contains dangerous chemicals, and three, mandatory vaccines were akin to medical despotism. And if that word doesn't make sense to you, think of some of its synonyms like authoritarian, dictatorship, or repression. Sounds vaguely familiar, right? I mean, we've, we've heard these, uh, these excuses before. This continued through the 20th century, and with vaccines like polio, measles, mumps, and various others, waves of people would deny that these had any medical viability. You hear on social media about how illnesses like polio just disappeared, and you almost want to facepalm yourself and remind them that because that was due to the polio vaccine. Things started to get out of control in the 1990s, when shows like Sally Jesse Raphael and Maury Povich would give these anti-vaxxers, before they were called anti-vaxxers, a stage to spread their misinformation. The Cosby Show star Lisa Bonet, who, during the 90s appearance on Phil Donahue, equated vaccines to, quote, alien microorganisms, end quote, and that could cause, quote, cancer, leukemia, multiple sclerosis, and sudden infant death syndrome, end quote. Miss America, Heather uh, Whitestone, in 1994, noted as the first deaf Miss America title holder, went one step further by suggesting that her deafness was caused by the DTAP vaccine. Her pediatrician later set the record straight, stating uh, that her deafness was the result of Hib meningitis, a vaccine-preventable disease. Go figure. Most of this information would remain in the recesses of daytime television that would only affect people that stayed home during the day to watch this trash on TV, or in my case, stayed home from school. Unfortunately, it would take the advent of mobile devices and the World Wide Web to cause this movement to explode. The study that blew the doors off of this movement, and idiot celebrities like, you know, Jenny McCarthy, was the publication of the 1998 study from British physician Andrew Wakefield. Who claimed that the measles, mumps, and uh, rubella (MMR) vaccine predisposed children to neurological conditions, including autism? Now, it was later discovered that many of Wakefield's findings linking the MMR vaccine to uh, um, autism were fraudulently manufactured, leading to the revocation of his medical license and the redaction of his, of the journal by uh, the article by the journal. Lancet, the Lancet, twelve years after its publication, but unfortunately, the harm was already done. Even so, to this day, there are many anti-vaccine proponents who claim that vaccines, not only MMR, put a child at risk of getting autism. Now, when I was a kid, there was never any issue with having to get vaccines before you could go to school. You had to get this litany of shots before you could even get processed. Then you had a repeat of the 1918 when COVID hit. You had political parties politicizing the pandemic, much like what Ronald Reagan did in the 80s, denying the health emergency was even real. Now you have people going on Fox News and saying it was a Democratic ploy to cost their president the election. And at some point, even Reagan had to acknowledge that AIDS was an epidemic and needed to be handled. And then there is this myth. That it would have been different had Hillary Clinton won the election. Not a chance in hell. Maybe it's the, you know, pragmatic Gen X or slacker in me that saw no difference. But now before you start rage tweeting and, you know, trying to cancel me, you need to hear context to my answer. Look at everything that happened to Trump and flip it. Trump would have claimed that he was cheated, like he's doing now with Biden. Call her illegitimate. Republicans would have done everything they could to impeach her. And look to for foreign influences in her winning. And when COVID hit, she would call for a shutdown and mask mandates. The Republicans would basically be doing what they're doing now. So, again, there would be no difference. However, we would have one consistent message coming from the White House as well as Senate and House Democrats, unlike they were doing during the Trump years. In the days after 9-11, President Bush came on television and told America that the country could stop mourning, that we had to get back to living our lives. The terrorists would win if we lived in fear, which we did, but you know, the notion's still nice. And what happened after his speech was liberals and conservatives took the lead from our president and did what he asked of us. Unfortunately, we had a president that said it didn't exist, but had a task force to fight it. Wait, it's not real. But you put together a task force to fight something that isn't there. He told people to not wear masks and stop living, stop being afraid. But claims that he helped develop the vaccine. So I'm not taking it, which he I'm not taking it, which he did. Uh, I should uh, get vac- credit for the vaccine, but you should question taking it. As for this, rec- as of this recording, nearly six hundred twenty-five thousand people have died from the virus in the United States. Over 4 million of 8 billion people have died worldwide. Now, many deniers say it isn't real because it hasn't happened to them or anyone they know. And then you hear, it's the flu. It's just like the flu. Then why do people get a flu shot once a year? If it's just a flu, get a damn shot. And a majority of the people want this. They want to get the shot and don't give a shit about wearing a mask. The frustration is these idiots that think they're martyrs in the story. They're the ones that are making the world that's free from globalization and corporate domination. When I was a kid, we were taught that Americans come together in a time of trouble. They care about their fellow man and do what's right for the greater good. So Where the fuck are these people? The boomer generation who followed the greatest generation should be ashamed of themselves. And younger millennials and Generation Z should too. Many think it doesn't affect them. But again, it's not about them. It's about the people around you. I didn't get the shot for myself. I got it for my brother, who was in a high risk category. My aunt, who was very elderly. Now, while some on Fox, while some Fox News anchors think, well, they've lived long enough and it's their time to go. So be it. And to them, I say, fuck yourself. I grew up on stories that in times of turmoil, Americans rise to the occasion. I guess that was bullshit too. With anti-vaxxers walking around with gold stars comparing vaccinations to the Holocaust, they think that's their red badge of courage. Well, it's just their red mask of stupidity. (laughs) So thanks for tuning in. We want to ditch the ads and be independent. And we can only do that with your support. Now, if you like to donate to make this podcast and all the shows on the Lazy Geeks Network self-sustaining, you can go to the website, thelazygeeks.com, and click on the Donate button. And if you can't help us out monetarily, you can share the show with your buddies and rate the show on iTunes. It'll give us bigger exposure. More people will be able to find us. All of this helps. Believe me, it does. And you can check out all the other shows available on the Lazy Geeks Network. There's the Truly Pointless Podcast, my geek news show, The Lazy Geeks, and our Star Trek centric podcast, The Away Team. All of them are available wherever you get this show. And if you want to be a part of the show, hit us up uh, with comments, questions, or ideas for future episodes, because God knows, eventually I'm going to run out of them. So catch catch us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under at the Lazy Geeks, that's all one word, or email us thegenxer73 at gmail.com. And you want to follow me personally, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, both under thegen underscore xer. Or you can even uh, check out my blog, which has some more of my personal musings on there on thegenxerjournals.com. So that's it for us this week. So until next time, I'm Steven Vargas. And between the battle of the boomers and millennials... There are the GenXers.